I mean, there's a whole thing on anal play that I think is so important to know about. But I think the most important thing is to just go slow. (laughs) Slow, take your time. I love my vibrator with it. So, yeah. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, slutty scholars, just a reminder that I'm part of an awesome podcast network called Pleasure Podcasts. We feature some of the top sex and relationship podcasts in the world. I want to reintroduce you to one of my favorite shows with some of my good friends, Cami and Nikki. It's called The Double Teamed Podcast. Check out episode 211 that features Double Teamed, and here is a little teaser of their hilarious and sexy show. You know, there's more to life than just vanilla sex with one person. So let's talk about it. Hi, guys. This is Cammie. And this is Nikki. And and we are Double Double Team Team Podcast. Are you DTF? Come join the Double Team fam every Thursday anywhere you listen to podcasts. Bring an open mind, your favorite butt plug, and let's talk kink, non-monogamy, and sexuality. Sex parties, threesomes, maybe a little bit of knife play, all things we know and love. We hope this is a safe space for you to learn, explore, and share some laughs with us along the way. And come be our bestie. Connect with us on social media. Find us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and more. All of these links are available on our website, doubleteamedpodcast.com. We are so glad that you're here and we can't wait to get to know you. Don't forget, wear condoms. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to welcome Keely Rankin. Keely Rankin features is featured in publications like HuffPo and Oprah Magazine. She calls herself a pleasure advocate and a sexypreneur. Keely is a sex and relationship coach based in San Francisco, California. She works with individuals and couples who want to embrace their innate desires build sexual confidence, and fully realize their sexual potential. Keely received her master's degree in counseling psychology. She's trained in Hakomi therapy and recreation of the self. For seven years, she worked closely with the world-renowned author and transpersonal psychotherapist who coined the phrase spiritual bypass, John Wellwood. She is an expert in male sexual struggles and created a premature ejaculation mastery video course for men to learn to last longer in bed from the privacy of their own home. She also specializes in facilitating deep erotic connections for couples and pre-COVID, hopefully maybe again sometime, she would meet she will meet couples in Paris for a unique extreme sexy connected date night, which included private sessions aimed to prepare the couple for an evening at a sex club. Uh, we're going to be talking about that today. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's so, so wonderful to be here with you. 
So something that I'm doing to start out this season is to ask folks about the best sex that they've had recently, but I like to preface it by saying anything that is consensual and pleasurable, uh, really expanding this definition of sex to like anything <laughs> pleasure. So it could be, you know, music, it could be drawing, it could be self-pleasure, it could be something really slutty that does have to do with penetration, you know, anything <laughs> that comes to mind. Well, mm. That's great. I love that question. And um, I guess I'll preface it with saying we have a, my husband and I, and I have an 18 month old at home. So our sex lives look quite different than they did uh, before he showed up. But I would say, actually, I can't remember it was the last time I had sex or the time before. It was a very, I think, <laughs> this is a long winded answer because I think we're having sex so much less frequently and just in different headspaces when we are, um, they're really, really special moments actually. And I've gotten really into anal for some reason in the mm. last like six months. I'm Good just for like, you. I just find myself wanting it again. It's something I hadn't wanted in a couple of years, actually. Well, like five years, I'm just kind of like on and off of it a little bit. And then I just find myself being like, Hey babe, you want to do this thing? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, of course, let's do it. Um, so yeah, we had a really, really beautiful anal experience. I think it was, I think it was two times ago, a couple of weeks ago. That was anything very that memorable. Very anything that you're willing to share that helped make it pleasurable? I mean, I am, I just really enjoy anal, honestly. Welcome mm. back to your anal season. <laughs> right, right. That's what it feels like. And it was interesting that I had kind of moved away from it. Like I just kind of found myself not wanting it. And um, it just felt like this wonderful recapturing of my own pleasure because it was something I knew that I loved, but it was something I'd sort of moved away from. I mean, there's a whole thing on anal play that I think is so important to know about, but I think the most important thing is to just go slow. <laughs> slow, take your time. I love my vibrator with it. So, yeah. And for folks out there listening who want like a play-by-play, -play, uh, you can listen to some <laughs> episodes like um, Peg the Patriarchy with Luna Matadas. You can listen to um, Be Vibe with Alicia Sinclair. And I believe we also talked about some anal stuff with Jessica Drake. So go back, check some of those out. Yeah. Those folks also have some great video resources. If you are like, go slow, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> check it out. But yeah, congratulations on your season changing back to Thank anal you. and a good reminder that our desires change over yes. time sometimes, or sometimes yeah. what we used to like isn't what we like right now and why it's good to continue to have the conversation of what are you into? Because that's not like a one and done thing. Right. 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 I know that's not what we're here to talk about today, but that has been a huge thing for me the last like, gosh, six to 10 months I've been talking with my clients about is how, you know, we are not the same sexual being through our whole lives. Like we are just not. And we need the flexibility and the curiosity to be able to let go of old things, shed that old skin, step into new spaces while holding that open curiosity of like, we could, we may move anywhere, especially yeah. with couples that can be hard. Cause you're like, but you liked that last year. Why right. don't you like it now? <laughs> well, then it also gets boring too, because then right. I find that people start doing the same thing mm -hmm. on their partner and look, I say boring for some people, that's great. For some people, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we know each other's bodies. They know exactly what I like and they do this thing. And um, that's wonderful. I think for me, my body and the things that I want, some of the things stay the same over time, maybe some of the approaches, but a lot changes based on how I'm feeling, where I'm at in my cycle, like what I'm wanting, how old I am, or my how my body's feeling. 
And so when someone just assumes for me, it becomes this really monotonous, like first they do this and then they do this and then they do this. And I'm like, no surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nothing exciting. Yeah. In the same way. Absolutely. But some people like no surprises, which is good for you. Know that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's very rarely that two, my experience with couples is that two people that don't like surprises end up together. It's very rare. I know. It's so (laughs) annoying. It's so annoying. One person's like, let's just say the same. The other person's like, let's throw confetti in the air and run through it. I've talked about this on so many podcasts. Why do you think we choose someone always who is like yin and yang with us, right? Like we, we really don't find someone often who is in that same thing. And at the beginning, it's so exciting because it's like, we come, you know, we, we connect in this way and they have what I don't have. And then after some years, you're like, why don't you like everything exactly the way that I like it? (laughs) Right. That ultimate challenge, intimacy challenge, such a beautiful one for sure. (laughs) Well, one of the things that folks can start to become interested in is wanting to explore some adventure in their Mm -hmm. partnership. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the ways to do that is going to a sexy public event or a sex party. Um, What are some kinds of sex parties that exist out there? Let's talk about that because there are different ones. Right, right. So I think one of the things that I mainly focus on with couples, which is a um, something I created when I was, my, my husband is French. And so we're in Paris very often and they have a lot Mm -hmm. of amazing sex clubs in Europe. Um, and so when I was there, long story short, um, and we were going to all these parties, I realized that people actually need a lot of more support when they go to these types of events, these public sexual events, like when they leave their bedroom or the safety of their house, which is just them and their couple or, or other people who are in their sex, sexual worlds, yeah. oftentimes, um, the sex is very different and not always very connected And so that was where I came up with this idea of helping couples sort of before and after they go to a sex club. So it could be even people who are experienced with going into these erotic spaces versus people who, you know, have never been before. So I, one of the things I really started to focus on was primarily getting couples ready for sex clubs. So there's the different spaces are sort of like sex parties or um, sex clubs, which are more like professional spaces, which would also include like a dungeon space, which is sort of like the BDSM play spaces. And oftentimes I think the sex parties are more thought of as like, you know, someone or you meet someone that you're connected through more towards like a swinger lens. Not that sex clubs are not necessarily swinger lens. Those terms get thrown around a lot, Uh, but there's a little more anonymity when you're in a more public space where you can go and not see someone, you know, versus like a sex party might be like, Oh, that's my, uh, you know, my roommate or something Mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah. Yeah, And, and for folks out there listening to like even sex parties, I would say there's like different kinds of parties. There's ones that like lean towards more kink play that are focused maybe less mm. on the stereotypical sex. And then there's right. some that are sex. I think there's some that are designated as orgies. And then there's some that are more swingers parties. So there are a lot of right. different categories of sex party. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there are some parties out there that are like just, I guess what I would call like sex positive parties. So mm. this is where like it's a party, right. but sex is welcome and there are spaces for sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some parties will have like a really 
gathering moment where everyone sits together and talks about like intentions, their list of yes, no, maybes, like STI status. Mm-hmm. And um, you have like a real communal feel and others are not like that at all. So get clear with yourself. If you're like, oh, I'm interested in a sex party, like what kind? What would your fantasy scenario be? Because it's going to be a different experience in my experience. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think that's so beautiful to to be illuminating for folks because it's not just like you show up and like you walk in the door and you pull your clothes off and it just everything happens, <laughs> you know? Maybe and, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on the party you sign up for, right? <laughs> I guess. But, you know, that's also true about sex clubs also. You know, one of the things people often really want to know is like, how do I pick a sex club? And the truth is yes. sex clubs have different nights, different um and so you would really want to think about and assess like what sort of energy are you looking for you know are you looking for just a couple's night are you looking for a queer night are you looking for a kink night all of those things also exist in the in the clubs as as well so oh yeah let's maybe mention that so let's say you're wanting to go to one obviously if you don't someone can maybe hire you for guidance (laughs) and if they're like how do i even find this stuff yeah do you have any tips for where to start and how to like vet a, a sex club? Yeah. I mean, most of the time there are reviews about the sex clubs. Most public spaces are very safe. They're going to have security guards. Um, there's going to be people watching the play spaces. If someone does something, they'll be asked to leave. It's a pretty, um, it's not like you get necessarily like one reprimand and then you go, it's like, they'll just ask you to go if you're in an unsafe, if you're being, if, if something feels unsafe um, in there and the internet has made these things so easy. You know, I think historically trying to find places where you could engage in this type of sex or like, you know, nudist colonies back in the day where, where one of the places historically where you could find sort of like sex club, like energy or play party energy, orgy energy. And those were really, really difficult to find actually before the internet, you really had to know someone you had to ask around. Oftentimes you couldn't just show up. You had to be a member, you had to be vetted, all of these things. And so I think what's beautiful nowadays about the internet, although those many difficulties with the internet, but you can easily find these spaces and learn a lot about them as well. You can read all the lists of the rules ahead of time. They will always ask you to read the list of rules and consent again at the door, um, which I think is such a it's such a relief for folks looking for this type of play or feeling like they really need this type of play in their lives. It's like it's it's really accessible now compared to what it used to be. <laughs> yeah. And I still think their interface sucks, unfortunately. Sorry, FetLife. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> FetLife is a website that a lot of my listeners maybe already know about, but it's a place to find events in your area, not just sex clubs and parties, but like community events, right. like ways to connect with folks. And then there's a new app too called Bloom. Uh, Bloom has a lot more like community type events, but a lot of those sort of sex positive educational events, you might meet people who are trying to host parties or who are already going to clubs and parties. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I think of like a good quote unquote rule of thumb for some folks going to like a sex club for the first time is like maybe 
go with the intention that you're like not going to do sex stuff the first time. Of course, if you're traveling right. to France specifically to do that with you and then you're like <laughs> not doing something sexy there, I could see that feeling disappointing. Uh, but if it's something local, be like, okay, today is the day that we're right. just going with curiosity to like right. feel out the space, like a first date, right? You're having a right. first date with the sex party or the sex club. Um, I don't know how it is where, where you are right now, but in LA, a lot of the parties and clubs are application only. Mm. And so there are some like public ones. Um, and I think each, each of these have an upside and a downside, right? The pub right. more public ones. Uh, I think the upside is that like everyone is welcome, all people, all bodies, all whatever, right. you know, sometimes there's a you particular to go last minute. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. Be, you could choose to go last minute. It's, it's a little more like you can show up whenever um, the downside is that people aren't vetted. Uh, mm -hmm. as much. And so there can be anyone there. Hopefully mm -hmm. they have a good, you know, safety consent system in, in play if people are inappropriate. Um, the application ones, I think the upside is that it's not too big. It's not too unruly. Um, you know that folks who are coming like know the rules. They've been checked out a bit. Um, and Right. They're yeah. committed to the process. It wasn't just exactly. a last minute decision to go. They weren't just like drunk at a bar being like, let's go to a sex right. club. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, you know that they've like maybe done their homework a little more, right. but the downside, right. at least in LA, is a lot of these clubs have a real hierarchy, especially for like, you have to be quote unquote hot, whatever right. that means. And so there's like a lot well, of- in LA, keeping. probably- Right, a, a very different thing than the rest of the world, for sure. Right, and so there's this, um, there's this gatekeeping, there's this accessibility mm. thing of, right. um, and then a lot of them are very expensive. A lot of them you have to pay like a monthly fee, a monthly membership, and then the tickets as well. And right. so it can be really more accessible for wealthy, able-bodied, good-looking folks. Right. Which mm -hmm. some people are like, yeah, that's why I'm paying to go. But it's, it's, um, yeah, that's a downside. And can right. be kind of gross. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, up here in San Francisco, I would say the sex club scene is relatively small. Uh, there's different clubs that have come in and out. And I primarily actually don't attend many of the stuff up here just because of too many clients in the scene. Yeah. And it just gets way too complicated. So, and most of my experience with a lot of this stuff has been actually in Europe. So it's it's just a slightly different energy. I think Europeans, especially the French, hold this very differently than Americans do. Um, you know, there's tons and tons of sex clubs actually in Paris. Like if you Google, if you just Google it, it's like, you'll just find a bunch. They're just kind of like everywhere. And a lot of sex. I've got to take a trip. <laughs> right. Yeah. Amsterdam is also Brussels and Amsterdam also have a lot of great stuff, which is only Berlin. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Berlin has some beautiful, some Germany's got some great, huge, beautiful, fun sex clubs that are I definitely exactly what you were talking about, where you just go and watch, like you just go with a friend and just observe because it's amazing to see these huge spaces that are so safe and fun and playful. So you're going to say something? I can imagine what it is, but um, talk about a sex sauna. Right. So sex saunas are a sauna where people, there's play spaces set up. And you can technically play in all the spaces that aren't like where food is at, where you have to have clothes on, because they actually also serve like food and drinks in the sex saunas. We'll and I'm hoping like... it's not all just like one hot sauna, because I think I would <laughs> no, like fucking pass no. out. It's it's more rude. It's like going to a, a spa, a spa. Oh, and yes. you would go and you take off your clothes and you put them in a locker and then like you're given a robe and some towels and then they're 
I mean, in Europe, everything's like multi-layered, right? So like downstairs is this and upstairs is this and the middle layer is this and there'll be hot tubs and you can just go into these different spaces and meet different people and play. And they'll have like really unique rooms in the saunas too. They'll be like, um, you could kind of feel like you're a kid again. They're like those big giant giant like cushion things that children roll over and stuff like they'll just have these interesting rooms where you're like well that's in here that's cool like let's go in here and see (laughs) who else is in here (laughs) so there's all it's just all sorts of different spaces the sex saunas are but I think what's nice about the sex saunas is your clothes are already off because when you go into a sex club it's much more in Europe at least it's much more like a club vibe like there's actually like a space where there's a DJ playing and people have their clothes on because in the sex clubs there's specific rooms where clothes come off it's not Mm -hmm. like the sex sauna where most of the space is clothing optional yeah and then i think at the those types of clubs you're like well sometimes if you're new like how do i get things started (laughs) right right and that goes back to the comment that you made about like couples should go and check it out and not have any expectations and i think what's really true is that most people most couples who move towards exploring these type of sexy experiences they're not both in the same level of excitement around going there's often one person who's a little more like let's do this thing come on let's go and the mm. person's like maybe kind of yeah i'm interested but like i'm a little scared or nervous or apprehensive and so i think it depends the layer of apprehension and the level of communication that that couple has whether or not i would say to them like let's just have you prepare to go and be in the space without any plans of Mm. taking your clothes off or doing anything directly erotic. So it's sort of, I I sort of gauge it in that, in that range, like how comfortable is the least comfortable person basically. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Like we can only hike as fast as the slowest hiker. Right. Yes. Absolutely. any tips you have for folks who are experiencing that, who are in a partnership where they're like chomping at the bit, ready to go and yeah. get naked um, and another partner who's uncertain, like how do yeah. you walk this line between, um, I don't know, trying to have both people get their needs met in a collaborative way? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's a really interesting piece of a couple. And I think what's true is that unless your couple is very short lived, you're going to have moments where you're, you have desire discrepancy. And I think of this no difference than desire discrepancy. Like this couple, one person is really has a strong desire for this particular way of engaging. And the other person is, you know, apprehensive for Mm -hmm. their own reasons. And I think what's important is having meaningful, communicative, open conversations where no one is holding back, but we're also being very kind to each other and really actively listening. Like, why is the person who's apprehensive, you know, feeling scared? What's really underneath that? Are they, do they have body image stuff? Like they just don't think anyone would find them attractive or are they worried that their partner is going to see something more sexy and want to run off and be with that more sexy, you know, person, the person who really, really wants to go. Are they able to really name what they're desiring? Like, I just want to feel free or I just want to see other bodies fucking, or mm-hmm. I just want to know what it's like. Cause it just seems that, you know, are they able to really dig into and actively share with a partner who's a little less, um, gung-ho can really hear what the what's behind the desire and I think once oftentimes we really understand what's underneath people's desires it feels a lot less scary but 
again, it sort of depends on the type of conversations people are having. I think oftentimes they, people don't talk enough about their feelings, about what's really mm-hmm. happening. And they assume that the other person would just know or feels the same way, which, you know, is a huge, huge uh, red flag. We just, we want to really name what we're wanting and how we're feeling and not assume that that person would have any understanding of it from yeah, like, without us telling them. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think it also depends like what the willingness to work on it in that partnership is, right? Like you might have someone who discovers they want to do this and they're like, I want to do this now and I'm not willing to wait. Yeah, And that could mean a dissolution of a partnership or that could mean opening up the right. relationship. Right. right. Or if right. you have a partnership where you're like, I really want to make this work. I want to find a way to bridge the gap. I want to want to do this mm-hmm. thing with my partner. Yeah. Um, And then having to exercise patience and self-regulation on both sides to be willing to like do that work, which can take more time, but be really um, rewarding Mm -hmm. once you get there together. So I I think it depends how big of a need it is and how much you're willing to work on it, which is so hard to decide because then you're like, I don't want to lose my partner. I don't, you know, it's a, it's a lot of layers. Right. Right. And I think actually that's where, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend a couple where one person's like, I really don't want to do this. And the other person's like, we're doing this. Come and work with me in Paris around this because the the before and after sessions are really meant for people who are at least um, both interested on some level, even if it's not the same level of excitement. I think if you're in that space where one person really, really wants it and it's really fearful for the other individual, and you're needing support and help, just regular couples, you know, support, counseling, mm-hmm. therapy, coaching is going to be more, way more helpful in those moments than yeah. already traveling over and <laughs> planning on going. Yeah. Um, Unless you're like really into like extreme, throw yourself in the deep end experiential. Uh, well, learning. I just think we would need more than the preset three <laughs> yeah, hours exactly. to get the couple ready. <laughs> Yes, because there is really like three hours of work that I need to do that I like to do with the couple that's already decided they both want to (laughs) go. Yeah, let's talk about that. What what's included in this pre? So let's say folks are ready, they're wanting to go. Yeah, right. What's kind of included in this preparatory time? Right. So I think what's so important that I want people to know about going into these spaces as a couple, or even I think you could do this if you're going as a single person to a sex party or a sex club on your by yourself, yeah. is the intentions in which we hold the energy before we enter into these spaces. And specifically in a couple, the rituals and the things that we take into the sex club that are going to remind us of our bond together. So that could look like going lingerie shopping together and having a really intentional shop for something that you purchase that each person puts on or one person puts on. And that's what the person, that's what's being worn in the, in the erotic play space. So whenever you feel that on your skin or you see your partner in that, you instantly are remembering all of the energy that went into the choice of that piece. That could look like things like a collar, the placement of a collar, placement of some certain type of jewelry. And I normally in that, in the idea of a ritual, help couples figure out, you know, how would we like to try? Because if it's the first time they're going, they may not know what ritual they want to create, but it's like giving them lots and lots of options and trying on different things of like, 
if it's a collar, like how do they want to place the collar on the person that's going to be wearing it? Are they going to be on their knees? Are they going to be on their back? Is it going to be more of a dom subs type of situation? Are they going to have words that are exchanged? So really just creating this mindful attention meaning. So it's like, as they enter into this public space, which for folks who've never been in a public space like that, I mean, I think anyone who's been in a public play space will say like, it's just sort of like, you're like kids in candy shop. I mean, there's so much going on. There's so much around you that's happening. And so having that way of coming back to yourself, coming back to your couple Mm -hmm. and having that deeper, deeper connection, I think is such an important part of being able to really enjoy yourselves while you're there and walking out feeling like, oh, wow, we did this thing that we're actually coming closer together because of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that ritual, like you're saying, is so important for the afterwards too. Right. Yeah. Then I do, so we do three hours before with couples and then we do two hours after to sort of like process, celebrate, look at places, areas of growth. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes people will go and they go one time and it didn't go the way they wanted it to. And so they get really, really freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a bummer actually. <laughs> I think yeah. if there's a, you know, um, I think what's also really true, especially around like heterosexual explorations is that oftentimes men don't perform the same in a public setting as they of would course. at home. Right. We say, of course, but I think that average person is like, Oh, I'm just going to, the average man is going to, I'm going to be like, better now. <laughs> better or everything is just going to be this or the same as it is at home. And what's true is oftentimes it's really, really different again, because of that candy store vibe is so much going on. It's sometimes hard to focus or it's just a lot of new energy. And so I think sometimes men will be, you know, maybe driving their partner to go and then get there, not able to perform and then never want to go back again because they're like, Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't perform. It must mean I shouldn't be in that space or was it meant to be in that space versus like, yeah, that's totally normal. And normalizing that as like a first time experience. And what do we need to help you feel more grounded and connected? And can you enjoy your play? Even if your cock isn't hard, that sort of, that those sort of reflections. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like an important thing that maybe you would include in the pre part too. Absolutely. Expectations. Yes, we do a huge expectation list. Actually, pull the couple apart, have them write down all their expectations mm. separate from each other. If we've got separate rooms, actually separate rooms, because people are often coming into these with very different expectations of what will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Say more about the other pre stuff. <laughs> right. So, Figuring out what their expectations are, having them share them with each other so they start to understand them, navigate where there's differing desires, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, the big piece I think that we're really talking about here is one person wanting to have sex with another person at the sex club, because that's one thing that can happen. Doesn't always happen. I always feel sort of like it's a lucky experience when my husband and I or I or he meet someone there that we want to play with because more often than not like we go and we play in these spaces and it's more just like exhibitionist than meeting people we're actually interested in because mm-hmm. it's sort of like being single and going to the club like you don't meet someone every time you go to the club it's more like rare you're like oh I met this person you know one time out of three months that you go or something like that mm-hmm. um so it's what happens when one you know how do you navigate the exploration into playing with other people. And I think that's the big piece that most couples navigate around and explore around is like, 
yeah, we're okay playing together. or I'm okay doing those things with you. But what do we do if another couple comes on to us or another person comes on to us? And how do we navigate that? And that often takes up quite a bit of time discussing um, how, what, what are our safe words? Do we need mm-hmm. safe words? Um, so that would look like, you know, avocado means let's I'm down let's go or you know just making up something that allows for the couple to have that communication during the experience yeah and I would add to that too that like I think it's important to prepare these things and we never truly know how we're going to feel in that moment right? right and like we were talking about earlier there's some days where we want something and some days where we don't want something else and so I've, I, for myself sometimes have felt like, oh, I've been okay with that before. It'll be okay this time. Um, right. And then depending on how I'm feeling, depending on if I'm connecting with anyone at the party, depending on how I'm doing with my partner, I might be like, oh, that doesn't feel good tonight. And you won't really know until you get there. And so I think having this discussion of how will I know if you're enjoying yourself and how will I know if you're not? And like you said, safe word or like, what is our check-in protocol right. for if something's going well or if something needs to be checked in about because you, right. you need to know. And to mm-hmm. me, that requires a certain amount of knowing and trusting that you as an individual, your partner and you as a couple have some good communication and like resource tools to come back to each other when one of you right. or both of you get dysregulated. Um, cause that's a hard place to have a intense dialogue when you're at a sex club. <laughs> right. Right. If like one person's having a great time and the other person's having a meltdown, you know, right. feeling completely dysregulated and needing a lot of support, you know, how, what is, what is the path back to, um, getting connected? And I, and I, I have found that when we can, what, not always, of course, there's no, like, there's no um, fail safe. I think that's the word way to get through these. Like the, it, it's a matter of, I think having an experience where things don't go well and being able to navigate it as a couple that builds the confidence. And that being said, taking the time prior to going to really set the intention to set that connection because it's, it's, energetic connection. It's, I think of the ritual more as like a spiritual connection. It's the emotional connection. Cause there's also, I ask people to be very mindful, share lots of words to drop in. I help them get more connected with those deeper parts of themselves and speak from that place. And the hope is, is that going into those spaces in that more connected way will lend itself to being able to feel your partner slightly more that's the sort of idea of, of course, like, like I said, it's not always the case, but it can be more helpful. It's like, Oh yeah. Like that's not what we had discussed in our pre-session. Like, I wonder if my partner's okay with that. Like, should I, I'm going to check in with them, make sure they're okay. And I think another really big piece too, to, to be discussing with your partner before you go is like, how do we want to navigate solo play versus play together? You know, am I okay with you if someone is interested in you, you going off on your own with me watching or, you know, and that's often a really big question. I think newer couples have is like, how do we navigate that? What does that look like? What, and that's, I think speaking to what you're, you've mentioned so eloquently is like, we just don't really know. A lot of times people just don't really know. And I think also that's part of the job of the role that I hold for folks who've never gone before is holding that space of like, we're going to find out all this stuff. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what you're going to, how you're going to feel when you're there. You think, yeah. you know, cause it's a fantasy, but you really don't know until you're in there. <laughs> well, and I, that's why I liked what you said about that. The after is so important because even if you don't have a quote unquote good time, whatever good time means, like it doesn't go the way you wanted, or you don't find someone to connect with and you wanted to, or there's a, some friction between you and your partner. Like, I think if you're feeling confident in the partnership, that to me is like, yeah, it sucks. You know, it'd be nice to have it be really smooth, but it's, it doesn't have to, like, it's good information to be like, okay, now we know how do we make this better next time? Like, oh, this was so interesting that this came up and and really looking at your first experience as like a curious adventure. Right. Right. Versus the blame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, with sex, we do this to ourselves so much, like for every other skill in the world, we have ways that we learn it. You know, you want to learn how to drive a car, you have driving lessons, you know, you want to learn how to become a therapist, you go to school for a long time. Like, yeah, the first time to me should be like treating it like a class. Right. You know, yeah, and then you get that. to come back. And I also think that there are ways to include other people without including other people, right? <laughs> so, like, I mean, in a consensual way, right? <laughs> and so, let's say you go and you really want to connect with someone and they haven't connected with you, but it's your first party or it's your first sex club. You can go off in the corner or wherever you want to be with your partner or be near that person if they're, you know, okay with it and it's in an area that's approved for that. And you can whisper in each other's ears about if this person came over, what would we do? If this person was here, here's what they'd be doing to you, you know, and you can play with that. So it's not just like going from zero to three way, um, (laughs) you know, 150 miles per hour. Right. And I think one of the things that a lot of people report, and this is actually true in my couple as well, is like the the experience of being in the sex club and the sex of being in the sex club is one thing. And then there's so much energy after, like Mm -hmm. there's so much excitement that happens after. And that play of like, oh, imagine, you know, that fantasy player whispering in the ear of like what could have happened Mm -hmm. after can last, sometimes couples can last a year. Like they're still fantasizing Mm -hmm. about that one time they went to the sex club and what about that one person and how they looked or what they could have done. And you can ride that wave of of fantasy, I think for a long time in a couple, which is so, I think, one of the many positive things of being open to exploring this type of play is the type of energy that it can bring into a couple. Mm-hmm. The newness and the excitement and the trust and the relationship building that it that it offers is really, I think, really unique experience. Right. Yeah. Say more about the after. What does the after session look like? Right. The after session is really dependent upon, <laughs> they go in a lot of different directions in my experience. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some people might be like, please leave. We're going to have sex. Oh, okay. Well, so I don't meet them literally after the club because <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's normally late and I'm asleep. I don't go to the club with them. Um, yeah. I'm imagining this like 2 a.m. thing. You're sitting right. there oh and they're, all, they're no. all jazzed up and you're like, let's Imagine. have a chat. Okay. Sit down. No, everyone put your genitals back where they go. We're going to talk. No, no, no. Have no, some water, have a snack. <laughs> right. <laughs> pay attention. Pay attention. Next this day. This is school. Yeah. The next day. The next day. Um, 
Right. Well, I think one of the things also too, that I like to give people skills at is assessing which club to go to. So it's like, I help, I, I talk to them about the different club options, show them like all of those pieces. And then, um, Anyway, that's just like a side thing is like assessing was like that the right club for them and why would it have been or why was it not? Um, So after normally I meet them the next day, typically in the afternoon, unless there's something that went wrong, then sometimes I will get a text that they need more support that morning because someone is having sort of an emotional reaction. But typically it does go pretty well and people are really excited. And there's this beautiful just like resharing, almost like... um, you know, kids that just like went on an adventure. They're just like, the couple is happy. They seem connected. They're often much more touchy feely. The nerves are off also. And really it's celebrating and having the couple. I just do a lot of having the couple share with each other what they appreciated, what they learned. Um, always starting with what's positive. And this goes for, I think people in general, after you go to a party like this, I think no matter how many times you've been, I do think it is important to come back together the next day or so and discuss with your partner um, what was meaningful about what you engaged with. And so I think starting with what was positive, what was new, what was sexually exciting, what created memories for you that you'll never forget when you close your eyes and think back on the evening, what is it that you saw? Mm -hmm. And then moving into, if there is a need for course correction, something happened that didn't feel perfect, uh, comfortable, good, um, because sometimes couples are hesitant to say things they didn't like, like they don't want to be damper, putting damper on the situation or making it seem like something went wrong when it wasn't. But I really encourage people to find places of growth, actually, like what, you know, what if something could be perfect, what would have been more perfect? Sometimes I have to use that type of language because people are like, no, it was great. Everything was great. It was perfect. It was fine. I'm like, well, if you could find one thing the average person will say like, yeah, I really like this, but that didn't feel quite right. Or I felt uncomfortable around this. And so then we do a lot of active listening and sharing um, and then making plans for what does it look like in the future? You know, how do they want to bring this into their relationship or if they do, or if it's something that's just some, you know, happens once every five years, or, you know, does it mean that they want to get involved in more of a community back home and all that stuff? So, yeah. Oh, well, I feel ready to go to the club. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I know that you cover so many other things and we just kind of touched the the tip of the work that that Keely does. And obviously you can hear her talk about this on some other podcasts in my network, uh, the Pleasure Podcast Network that I'm a part of, um, like such such as Shameless Sex and some great shows like that. But how can people uh, hire you, find you, uh, do work with you? Yeah. So the easiest way, the best way to find me is my website, which is keelyrangman.com, K-E-E-L-E-Y-R-A-N-K-I-N. And from there, you'll find all the offerings that I have. And I also am training folks too. I have two mentees under me right now. They're amazing, wonderful practitioners, really loving working with them, supervising them. Um, and I have all sorts of courses that I offer, um, lots of fun stuff, more serious stuff. So I started uh, working with clients, primarily men around performance issues. And then this desire for sex clubs actually was built out of wanting something a little bit um, more fun. So I definitely, I feel like like the sex club space is more of this experimental, playful space. Um, but I also have lots of other stuff going on. So Amazing. I mean, I think play and stuff like that is 
is healing, right? Like if oh, we can get comfortable so. enough to play, I think a yeah. lot of times people are like, oh, I have to quote unquote, fix the problem before I can play as opposed to play being a way to nurture and heal the struggle. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I think as long as people's communication, like we spoke about earlier, as long as people are able to be in a communicative yeah. space, mm-hmm. absolutely. As long as they're being really honest with themselves first and then feel like they can be really honest in their partnership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be, well, we're never really, none of us are ever fully healed. So I think we should just, that. I we're know stuff. it's Always. so annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> can never I just be ending. done? <laughs> I say it's like doing the dishes, you know, where you're like, I did this dish already and here it is again. And and now the pile is there. And today I don't feel like fucking doing it. Yeah. That's actually, I've never thought of it that way. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Right. It's like, we're always, (laughs) we're always doing our dishes. Someone's doing dishes. If we're going out to eat, someone's doing them. Or we're at home. (laughs) I would love for someone to just always do my dishes in my problems in life for sure. That would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Fix it for me. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, it was so wonderful to be here today. I'm happy we got to chat. Yes. Thanks so much for joining. And again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review. It is really helpful to keep the show going. And don't forget to check out those advertiser discounts. Thank you so much. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.